0: All right, so in this episode of the Lexus Enthusiast podcast, we're breaking down last week's big press conference. We're taking a look at the LFZ concept, and we're talking crossover coupes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the new Lexus Enthusiast podcast. My name is Kevin Watts, and I'm the founder of Lexus Enthusiast. Uh, let me introduce my friend, and uh, <laughs> we're still working on his, uh, his actual title, but uh, here's uh, Michael Pannone.
1: Hey, Kevin, thanks for having me. Yeah. I'm excited to be
0: here. Awesome. Uh, yeah, so uh, I started the podcast, uh, I don't know, about 2015, and I was doing a lot of interviews with Lexus executives, but Michael and I are going to reboot it and into a more standard format We'll have guests, but our main focus is going to be Lexus News, and we're going to try and keep it on a bi-weekly schedule. Anyone following the site is probably familiar with me. Um, I bought a LS400 in uh, 2006. Uh, I started Lexus Enthusiast in 2007, and uh, 14 years later, here we are. But what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to put Michael on the spot, uh, get him to talk a little bit about uh, his history with the brand. Okay,
1: hit us. Cool. So um, I have been a Lexus enthusiast for a long time, I guess. Uh, my earliest memory of loving Lexus, it was 1997, actually, and I was uh, at my grandparents' house. I was been like 10, uh, standing in the front yard, and their neighbor, fresh from the dealership, had just bought a brand new GS400, um, and I think it was called spectra mica or the uh, blue color that i don't know probably is similar to ultrasonic blue now okay yeah yeah but i remember standing in the front yard i remember standing in the front yard actually playing with my cousins and i saw this car come up the street and i looked at it and i had never seen anything that looked like that before in my life and i thought i don't know what that is but i want one (laughs) um, i turned around to my dad and i remember saying specifically i was like what is a lexus and is that a good car And he said, yeah, yeah, it is. It's a good car. And so from that point on, um, the the GS actually sparked my love affair with Lexus. And since then, um, in college on and off, I actually worked at dealerships. I've interned with Lexus Corporate, what feels like now a million years ago. But um, almost my whole life now, I guess I've touched Lexus in some way.
0: Oh, it's funny that you say that. I was living in uh, Toronto. I saw LXs. Like yeah. in in Canada, we didn't really have the the Land Cruiser. So to see an LX, you know, as the only vehicle of that type, it was really impressive. Plus, I was really into uh, Biggie, like oh, yeah. notorious yeah. Big, and he was huge into uh, to Lexus. But yep. uh, he really uh, made me notice the brand.
1: So one thing for me that was always interesting, and I feel like I have to get it out of the way and say it, but. My dad works for Toyota. He's worked for Toyota for more than 25 years. He also worked for General Motors and he also worked for Nissan. So I really grew up in a car family for sure. But the interesting thing about it is that my My dad was always more probably on the conservative, like efficient side of the spectrum. So it was always like, like even though, you know, obviously Toyota and Lexus are owned by the same parent company, Toyota Motor Corporation, uh, my dad was always like, you don't need that. Like that you nobody should spend that much money and have a car like that. Uh, it's not important, you know, like you you don't need the extra things you get on a Lexus, you can get a lot of the same things on a Toyota. And I was always like, absolutely not. Like the cars that you drive for work do not look as good as this GS 400 with four headlights and four taillights in what at that time were huge 17-inch wheels. Yeah. And I just remember being like, this is the most outrageous looking car I've ever seen, and I love it. And, uh... You know, like in in the early days, I guess when it was a lot less digital, you know, I used to go to dealerships and like (laughs) ask for the brochures so that I could go home and cut out pictures of the cars that I liked. And I like somewhere still, I have a box of I think I have every GS brochure through like 2012. I have a lot of the IS materials as well. So I don't know. It just I, I so I think I say all of that because when you grow up in a Toyota family, You don't realize that you take things like reliability and quality for granted. So, you know, we never, I never grew up in a house where we had car problems or we'd be, you know, worried about taking a car on a road trip or something like that because we always drove Toyotas. So for me, you know, Lexus having the foundation of reliability and quality, but then building upon that with premium features and premium design, I was, I was all in.
0: The thing that I remember is that you didn't necessarily. I wasn't, you know, from a Toyota family. My, actually, my mother drove a Dodge Omni. I don't know if you, uh, do you remember those? The little hatchback? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, but, I, you know, back in the day, you didn't really understand that brands were owned by other brands, mm-hmm. particularly back then when I wasn't, you know, writing about Lexus every day, I didn't even really understand that it was owned by Toyota. And, and I think that, um, the way that I found it, like figured it out, it was like a Japanese Mercedes. I was huge into Mercedes as a kid. Like I loved the S class. Mm-hmm. I loved like the really substantial vehicles, you know, in college and everything, I was very ob- obsessed with uh, Japanese culture. So the idea of like there being this like Japanese Mercedes was like really appealing. There was a lot of energy around the brand, mm-hmm. particularly in those years, you know, 97. 98, 99. Those were prime years for the brand. And the first car actually that I drove, I was like you as well, you know, going to the dealerships. And the first car that I actually ever drove was a yellow (laughs) IS300 at the dealership. I couldn't believe that the dude let me take it out. Yeah. Um, You know, because like you roll up there and you're, you know, you're just a kid. And he was like, yeah, let's go. So and we were driving around. He drove it first and he almost drove us right into like uh he was taking a corner too fast. <laughs> and almost <laughs> drove right off the road. I think he was trying to show off. That was my really the first time that I'd ever driven a car, like other than like you know, getting my license. It was the first time I'd ever particularly ever driven a a luxury car. And it was so impressive back then. And uh really that's those are the moments really that endeared me to the brand. You know going to the dealership right. not being treated like right. a you know a, a, a ruffian or a, you know a roughneck or whatever yeah and that really impressed me because you didn't get that kind of treatment at any other dealership
1: it's funny that you say that about the is because i remember um like i said i mean i first love the gs and then you kind of look at the rest of the brand and it's like okay you know the ls is cool same same thing that you said it was like this is the japanese s class you know it's an S class that doesn't have the problems that S classes have particularly back then. Yeah. But I remember when the IS 300 was announced and I remember like, I pulled, I got on our, you know, dial up computer that we had in our kitchen and I went to Lexus.com and signed up for a brochure. And because I think at that time they did the, um, you know, like request, like save the date or something like that. Okay. And I signed up for it and I remember getting it in the mail and I remember I mean i'm sure you remember this too but the coolest thing about the is 300 was the chronograph style um like you know center the the dash for sure (laughs) yeah the dash so and i remember everything that they did for it was like neon orange and like it was all that like all the people shot and all of the photography were really young and i remember just looking at it being like man i really like the gs and you know the lx and the ls but like this is this is a car That I could have and that I want Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you know coming up on at that point looking at getting my first car and my parents are starting to talk to me about like you know just better start saving and stuff like that I remember looking at the is being like that's what I'm gonna have um and I never had an is but it was definitely (laughs) a hook for the brand which it's kind of funny that we're sitting here saying that because you know now all these years later especially now with the refreshed is and the is 500 um, f-sport performance like it's you know lexus has been really upfront about the fact that it brings young people to the brand and it's the young i think it's one of the youngest uh average buyer ages in the segment and so it's funny that we're sitting here and it's like yeah it, it was like that for both of us <laughs> it's, yeah, it's yeah. like the gateway drug oh, yeah. for lexus and
0: you think about like segments and then the sort of the cadence of people you know going from model to model uh as they get older yep and how the things that appeal to us now, you know, well, you know, RIP, the the GS, but uh, with the way that uh, the market's going with all the crossovers, if I don't know if the UX has that same kind of feel as those like more performance oriented cars, but at the same time, there's, there is people that appreciate, you know, functionality over performance. And I think that they're the way of like capturing someone to stay with your brand Uh, I think it's more difficult now than it
1: was. I, t- I totally agree with you. And I th- it's a whole tangent that I think we could probably get off on. But um, I remember, I mean, we also had an IS 350 and last year, you know, last year started looking for something new and kind of the logical move up would have been a GS, but um, ended up going in a different direction. But looking at the state of the market now, um, I almost wish like I've been saying for a while that I, I wish there was something like a baby GX, because when you look at the way that people progress in Toyota and you might start out with a RAV4 and now you can have a RAV4 adventure and a RAV4. For TRD and then those people want to move up to a forerunner like there's you know in a market that's so crazy for crossovers I, like, I love the NX. Actually, I think that the NX is one of the best looking products Lexus has, but something that has that something special about it that the GS had compared to the ES. I wish Lexus had a product like that um, still where it was like, you know, the 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 obvious chance to move up from something. And I don't I don't see that as much right now in crossovers. But you know, with some of the news and stuff lately, I feel like there's going to be a lot of exciting things happening. So I'm optimistic.
0: Well, I mean, talk about a segue. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, right, pretty solid segue there yeah, yeah. um last week uh, lexus uh, had this virtual press conference uh, outlining its plans uh, they're going to reconfigure the brand it's a lot about what they've been talking about uh the last few years you know in terms of electrification uh environmental impact uh and design the way that it seemed uh last week a uh, tuesday uh is that these things are going to be coming sooner than later and uh the centerpiece of all this was uh the lfz electrified concept clearly a crossover coupe ev powertrain and you know what
1: fairly impressive right off the gate i thought it was really really impressive um and i think you know not to just like jump right into uh the thick of it but i think it's not a surprise really that The last couple years for Lexus fans and enthusiasts have probably been pretty tough and we've been trying to figure out what direction it's going to take and what direction it's not and where's all the new product. Looking at everything that was revealed last week with the LFZ, like the press release in its entirety and just how substantial it was and how much information Lexus gave us. I feel really excited to be a Lexus enthusiast again. And transparently, like it's been a little while since I felt that way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's been uh, it's been a lean few years, Um, (laughs) you know, with the electrification of everybody moving in that direction. Very Mm -hmm. exciting um, kind of technology. And it's nice to see Lexus because it's it's one thing to to go through it and have those years where nothing's really happening. Yeah. And then to have something huge happen like this, you don't want to sugarcoat it. You don't want to say, oh, well, it was all for a reason. But at the same time, you have to think that uh, EVs are, are really a level playing field. Yeah. There isn't a lot of differentiation with EV powertrains. I'm sure you can get technical and, and get right down into the the thick of mm-hmm. it and there are but s- substantially there are the same and it is a level playing field for everyone so it's not as though lexus was really missing anything over the last couple of years except for a little bit of excitement i would say
1: yeah yeah and i think i i so i'm not personally on the ev train yet i like and i i like evs i respect what they do i certainly respect the performance i respect you know the environmental impact for me it's not quite there yet at a point where I want to own one. But I think I'm really excited about the opportunity for Lexus and everything that they just showed us, especially with the LFC and you know new battery electric vehicles coming soon. And I, this is just my opinion on it. But, you know, a lot of the research shows that the Tesla buyer is a person who is they want to be an early adopter. They want to jump in. They want the latest. They want the greatest they're willing to give up some reliability and some build quality and some other things to be able to have the latest and greatest. Looking at EVs and thinking about EVs really being the future, I think that there's going to like I think that Lexus is about to bring in a whole new type of buyer because they trust the reliability of Lexus. And I think that's probably going to be a huge point about, you know, what comes from the LFZ in this press release is like, if you've been a little bit worried about EVs before the single brand in the industry who is synonymous with reliability is about to bring a boatload of them. (laughs) So it kind of shifts the conversation a little bit away from EV people just wanting the latest and the greatest, but instead being like, okay, this is something, you know, I, I trust the reliability. I trust the quality. And it's not just an early adopter per se.
0: Yeah, like the thing is, is that you look at this uh, LFZ and you think, well, it's a crossover coupe. That's the shape of it. It looks production to me. You have this, you look at the competitors and a huge one is the the Tesla, the Model X. Mm -hmm. And the numbers that have been released about the LFZ kind of line up with that. When you're talking about, you know, the kind of performance that Tesla shows, you have to figure that the way that Lexus framed this, the way that they talked about performance married to this ev you have to think that they're going to be able to match the the performance of of a tesla and then you have the the style like if i can't imagine anyone really buys a model x because they love the way that it looks <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> i mean i just can't picture that but now you're having something that can compete with that with the model x but you have the reliability of, of alexis and you're i think you're you're right on the nose there
1: so I think, Kevin, I think you make a really good point, um, and this is something that I wanted to bring up, and you and I have chatted a little bit about it offline, but I mean, so obviously the LFZ is a concept we can talk about. Is it going to preview the RZ? Who knows? Maybe, maybe not. But when you look at what we call crossover coupe, I think at least looking at it I was expecting something with maybe a little more ground clearance like a little more X6 and a and a little less like I don't know what to call like like model X probably just like you said so As manufacturers are kind of looking at this middle ground between passenger cars and, you know, SUVs and CUVs, everybody's doing it a little bit differently. And I think that, you know, we've been accustomed to what the X6 is or now, you know, Mercedes has the GLC and GLE coupes. But yeah, the LFZ really does look a little different. It's a little lower um, it's a little more chiseled looking. It's, I almost want to use the word wagon. Like it's a little more wagon looking sharpened up in a way that's pretty aggressive. I don't know. I think it'll be interesting to see what it ends up really looking like when it comes to market. I, I think at first I was like, oh, this is going to be an X6 competitor and it may not exactly be an X6 competitor. I think it might be something a little different.
0: Yeah. I think it is more of a wagon when you're thinking about it before you see it. That's what you your picture. You're picturing like the, um, basically just a SUV with the, with the rear, kind of
1: chopped off, chopped off. (laughs)
0: Yeah, 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 exactly. And that's not what this is. It's definitely something look at the side profile of that vehicle. I have to think that that is production. Like the silhouette is almost perfect in terms of what it would need to be. There's not anything extraneous about it. And the thing is, is that they really framed it as something that is going to redefine the brand. And one of the things that really you hate to go back and find comparisons to the way that lexus did things before but i remember the uh the lfgh which was the they released in i think it was 2011 and that car was basically the gs with a different front and they talked a lot that was a huge thing back then in terms of redefining the brand that was the introduction of the spindle grille
1: if some of Some of the listeners are members of the Lexus Enthusiast Forum. You've probably seen some of this discussion already, but there's some people who've been like, no, this thing is, you know, not as way far away from being production. And there's some people, I think you and I agree on this, who are like, I don't think we're that, I don't think this is that far, far off of production because When you really look at the last couple concepts, just like you said, like, you know, the LFGH became the GS, the LFLC became the LC. I think that Lexus has been, for the most part, making concepts with production in mind. Um, And when you look at the car from the side, yeah, the wheels are going to be a little different. Some of the bumpers are going to be a little different and things like that. But just like you, I I feel like the shape is pretty much production ready.
0: I'm not crazy about this um, this push to have like smooth front ends. I feel like the one thing that this car is is really missing is is the the mesh of a spindle grille. I feel like it might, and I mean I know that there's aerodynamic reasons, and I'm sure it makes sense, but just from a, a visual standpoint. But at the same time, I really doubt that this car, that when it comes out, is just going to be an EV. I think that they'll come out with the multiple different powertrains. I wouldn't be surprised if they put the, the... <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if they put the 3.5 liter V6 in it.
1: Like, Oh no, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. no. this is just my opinion. I th- if, if the LFZ comes out and makes production, let's just say it becomes the RZ. I think it's going to have to be built from the ground up on that new ETNGA electric platform.
0: Mm. Yes. Good point.
1: I'm not sure if it's possible for them to have like gas and or hybrid models. It's, that'll that'll mm-hmm. be an interesting point. Oh, um, well, very good point. You know, I think we've seen some things that some of the new TNGA platforms are electric, flexible, maybe so to speak. But I guess that's a, that's a good point. It'll just be interesting to see what exactly ends up being delivered for production and probably when is part of it too.
0: But then you have the flip side, right, where you have the the UX uh, was released as a, a as an EV. Mm -hmm. just on its own yeah true but they did really talk up this uh ev platform
1: yep very true probably well i don't know kevin like one of the things that might make sense as we're talking about how is this thing going to come to production is looking at what's been trademarked so far and if you follow lexus really closely you probably noticed that um, i believe it was the end of last year they trademarked rz 450e Yeah. Which is interesting for a lot of reasons, because um, obviously, you know, C is coupes, S is sedans, X is SUVs. So having a new Z like indicates a new body style. And then obviously, like we know what the UX 300E 450E indicates electric. So to me, I feel like this thing is probably heading towards production as RZ 450E. And I think somebody uh, pointed out that when you look at the specs of the concept, it's roughly it's about mid size. Like I think it's actually similar in size to the GS. Right. So when you consider that for Lexus, RX is mid size, RC is mid size. I don't know. It feels to me like LZ or LFZ is probably previewing what we will get as midsize, this new in-between body style, uh with an electric powertrain. What do you think?
0: Yeah, no, and I really like it. I really like Z. I think it, uh, I think it fits. And when you think about the 450E part, you're also talking about a fairly heavy duty powertrain mm-hmm. when it's, when they're bringing it back down to like, you know, you have the 450H. Right. It, it Those numbers are almost meaningless other than like establishing sort of uh, expectations in terms of how they'll perform. And I would say a 450E would be quite impressive in terms of its performance.
1: Yeah, I certainly would hope so.
0: So while thinking about the, the RZ, at the end of this press conference that uh, Koji Sato, uh, the, the new uh, president of Lexus, was doing it, he had those four models behind him covered up in tarps. And I would, I would have to think that one of those was probably the new uh, RZ. I don't know which one. Obviously, the other one that was larger was uh, the, the new NX. But uh, what did you think?
1: I don't know. So I think, I don't know, work with me on this, but I feel like the four models behind him are probably the next four new models that we see. Yeah, absolutely. And I personally feel like we'll probably see other new models before we see the RZ. So knowing that the RX is getting a little bit old, looking at the picture right now. So on the far left side, there I feel like there's two SUVs and two in two cars in this picture, that's probably not a surprise. The SUVs <laughs> are on the far left and the far right, and it looks like there's cars in the middle. So when you look at it, it could be the orientation of the picture, but to me, it looks like on the the SUV on the far left is a bit bigger than the one on the far right. Right. So I'm gonna say that I think on the left is the new RX, mm. and on the right is the new NX. Okay. But what I'm a little unsure of, I think, is the two in the middle. And I have a theory, but what do you think?
0: Well, my idea is that the one on the, the left is uh, the new LS. They, they made a specific mention in the, in the press release about this idea of uh, reinventing what it means to have a chauffeur. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling that obviously they recognize that the LS hasn't performed the, maybe the way that they wanted that's a whole other topic in terms of what we can get into. But yeah, I, I do think that it is a, uh, an LS. It has that more of a, a bulky look to it. Mm-hmm. And it, the front end is, is, is quite heavy. So I, I just have a feeling that it is the second one. I don't know. I, I thought the ES maybe, but now I've, it's maybe just a little too sleek for that.
1: Yeah, I agree with you completely. Um, I know we're like looking into our crystal balls here, but the one <laughs> the one on the left, I don't know. I don't know. It just, it seems to have the stance of an LS to me. The hood's a little bit higher. It looks like it's a little bit wider of a car. And then I, I actually agree with you that I think the one on the right could be an ES. But the other thing to think about is the the ES should be refreshed this year. As a 2022 model year so i don't know if a refreshed model would be included here or if that would be like who knows a 25 es 24 ES. Mm. that seems like a long way away um and the other thing too is think about it like the rc is pretty it's pretty up there in age now and the ls and the lc were kind of developed somewhat in tandem so like i feel pretty confident that the car on the left is an ls but the one on the right really leaves me scratching my head a little bit. I think at the end of the day, I think I'm going to go, oof, I think I'm going to go ES, but I'm just not sure. I kind of feel a little bit like it could be an RC. I really do.
0: You uh, actually, uh, offline you, uh, we were discussing this and uh, you mentioned about how the RC is the platform for their racing. Mm -hmm. and the fact is is that there's a not a renewed but a continued you know commitment to racing from Lexus they uh, they obviously value it very much and there's nothing better for that kind of um audience that kind of enthusiast to have a a a coupe just a a standard mid-sized coupe I'm I would be really impressed for them to reinvest in the RC it would benefit them in racing for them to have a better performing car because they do base it off of the production model.
1: I totally agree. I, I and you know, it's, it's so talking about Lexus coupes is such an interesting thing. Uh, and you and I've talked about this a little bit too, but you know, obviously first there was the SC, the first generation SC, everybody knows, you know, one of the great Lexus vehicles developed with the Supra. Um, I remember when the second generation SC came out and like the first 16 to 18 months of production for the car was sold out because it was so stunning and they couldn't build enough of them fast enough. But then it's like, and you move into this era where we're talking about, the RC and the LC, I don't know, it, ch- it changes a little bit. Um, and I love both. So, you know, I'm not, there's no shade here for RC and LC owners, but I think the RC kind of failed to capture some of the excitement that the SC had. And I think it was sort of like, you know, it's a little bit more affordable. It's a little bit smaller, it's sportier, but I just don't know that it, um, it was able to capture the same type of excitement. And then, I don't know, like one of the things that I feel so bad about is that the LC is, one of the most beautiful, most dramatic, most impressive vehicles Lexus has ever built. And yet it happened and was delivered right at a time when the prestige and the status vehicle became an SUV and not a coupe. (laughs) So,
0: Well, yeah. And I mean, it's almost the way that it progressed is like people started to move to SUVs uh and crossovers i feel like what happened to the lc also happened to the rc and that people just were not looking at coupes as a as a viable option for their life it's just not practical as a vehicle and i think people really value that now in terms of just the, the convenience of having a larger vehicle.
1: Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting when you look at it because of like the coupes coupes were kind of like such a boom and a bust, right? Like and we've seen over the last 2 or 3 years a couple different things coming from, you know, BMW and Mercedes talking about trimming down on the amount of coupes they produce. And like in a weird way, it's, you know, we were all mad at Lexus for not jumping on the four-door coupe train, but on this side of it, it looks like they may have actually been smarter than everybody else. But, you know, if you look at Mercedes and there's the C coupe and the E coupe and the S coupe and the SL and then some of the AMGs and the cls and the cla the vehicles <laughs> that's a, I mean then they've they've said like they're going to be cutting down and reducing the number of coupes so like you know looking looking at lexus in talking about racing and talking about this new lexus and enthusiasm you know around the brand i want to hope that both of the rc and the lc live for a second generation i feel like now with some of the new platforms and tnga i feel like there's an opportunity to make the rc even better than it has been. Um, oh, absolutely.
0: Building the RC on uh on a new platform would have substantial benefits in all regard in terms of racing mm-hmm. but also in terms of its uh everyday average consumer performance. I I think that it really does deserve to live again. I don't think that it really got a fair shake. It it really does fill this this role that that Lexus is so keen to to build on and
1: I agree with you cuz like you look at the RC and look I still like the RC but you look at it and it's like man you know a forty-five to seventy-thousand-dollar Lexus Coupe. You can get everything from, you know, a turbo four to a V-eight. Like all the pieces were there. I think with a little bit of refinement, um, I'd love to see a second-generation RC. So, Lexus, if you're listening, pull pull out your latest and greatest uh, new TNGA platform, this rear-wheel drive, drop in the twin-turbo V-six, and uh, please give it a second shot. Uh, love, Michael. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I <laughs> Well, the thing is, is that part of the pe- press conference was that they mentioned they were going to do 20 new vehicles by two, 2025. And <laughs> I mean, I've got to figure that you're going to get your wish. That's basically every model in the Lexus lineup being re- renewed in some way, shape or form.
1: Yeah, I hope so. I'm, I'm pretty excited about about the change. And I think one of the things we were talking about, too, actually, when we were looking at the picture of the four cars behind the LFC was where's the LX? Uh, yeah. You know, so and that's a big that's a big one. Like, you know, obviously you and I are based in North America, but globally, the LX is almost more so Lexus flagship compared to the LS. Oh, absolutely. So and, and I think the LX, if I yeah, if I sit here, the LX is actually older than the NX or the RX or the LS or the ES. So uh, they must be hiding something from us because the LX has got to come out sometime soon but yeah you're i mean i totally agree with you i think 20 new models by 2025 is going to end up being pretty much the whole lineup
0: and the exciting thing you know in terms of talking about the LX is the, their commitment to have a, a electrified powertrain for every every model so that includes hybrids as well which i would imagine is is the uh, the solution to uh, to an lx uh, rather than a ev platform unless they do a fuel cell lx that would mm-hmm. be something else as well
1: you know i wish i was more tech i'm not that technical we both know that but um you know looking at a fully boxed frame for like a body on frame vehicle allegedly the new tnga f or F1, like body on frame construction. I have to wonder if it's easier to pack batteries into a platform like that, or a unibody platform. You know, I drive a Forerunner, so I'm pretty well versed in how it works, but you know, I, feel, I don't know, I feel like there's the opportunity for batteries to be more isolated from the body, there's more space to pack them, um, and sometimes it's easier to offset weight penalty like that with body on frame. So uh, an electric LX is a very interesting point.
0: To think about that, there's nothing like that. That is essentially the ultimate vehicle, a EV LX that's capable of doing everything that an LX does. I, I don't know. I think that they, in a way, they have to reinvent the the upper end of their of their lineup. I I'm not sure exactly how it's all going to shake out. I would imagine that with a new Land Cruiser, there has to be a new LX. That mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense, particularly when they're canceling the Land Cruiser uh, sales in the United States.
1: I don't know. I have this weird suspicion that the in the TNGA era, I have this strange feeling that the LX could be developed more in tandem with the Sequoia mm. uh, being a little bit bigger. The dealers have been asking for that car for more than a decade, like give us a full size SUV, give us something the size of the Sequoia. So I don't know if they diverge a little bit and the Land Cruiser goes a different path or stays where it's at. It seems logical to me that potentially with the scalability of TNGA, they might be able to build an LX on the Sequoia and still give dealers pretty much everything that they've been asking for. And I, and I think too, there's a, a number of people I know who have owned LXs who have said, I just want something a little bigger. I want something with a little bit bigger of a third row. Like right. there is a whole group of people out there who are affluent and buy these vehicles and have three or four kids and really just want the extra room. Yeah. So I don't know.
0: And I mean that's what I'm thinking in terms of, of them reinventing their uh, their top end uh, crossover slash SUV because it is almost functional functionality over functionality. It's it's really a very specialized vehicle, mm-hmm. and they need something at that top end. I mean, I would love to see them go up against the new uh, the new Maybach uh, Mercedes Benz crossover, but uh, just that sort of level of of detail. Mm-hmm. It's really the kind of the appeal of being able to have everything in one single vehicle comfortably. And I think that there's really no Mm -hmm. comparison in terms of, of luxury.
1: Yeah. I'm with you. So I have to ask you this question because you know that still upset that we haven't seen it yet. But do you think that a production version of the LF1 Limitless is going to be one of the 20 by 2025?
0: Mm. (laughs) Oh my God. I hope so. Like the minute I saw that thing, I was in love. It's probably one of my favorite vehicles of all time. I don't know i think that this they could be doing something very similar to the way that they've structured the rest of their uh, lineup in terms of having one mid-size one full size Mm -hmm. i think that they've really opened the door here to do a lf1 that builds off of this uh, rz Mm -hmm. and i think that it's a smart play. I think one of the issues that Lexus has been experiencing over the last five years is their focus on the upper end of their lineup. You know, the LC, the LS are, they're a very specialized market for those vehicles. And I think that they could really do with another home run in terms of that midsize area. So I'm really glad that they, instead of coming out with that LF1, as much as I hate to say it, I feel like the RZ is a better play. I feel like it, there's a bigger audience. I feel like it kind of reestablishes Lexus in the way that they like to be seen as like an upstart brand. I feel like it just has sort of the character that they're looking for. Um, and I'm, I'm actually quite happy to see them be able to kind of shift gears from thinking about doing an LF1 and then moving now towards this sort of RZ, LFZ.
1: I think it's a, it's a really good point. You know, my my opinion personally on this is it's a little bit crazy to think about. But the LF1 Limitless originally came out, I think, at the 2018 Detroit Auto Show. So that's coming up on three and a half years ago now. And knowing Lexus the way that we do, and even what we've been talking about here with like trademarks for like the RZ450E, there's no trademark for any other new model aside from the RZ. And if you think, I, I mean, I believe history has shown that Lexus tends to file trademarks like 18 to 24 months in advance, yeah. some a little bit shorter than that, mm-hmm. but it's it's hard. It's a little heartbreaking because it's hard to imagine a vehicle that could be as popular as a production version of the lf1 limitless in my opinion i mean you know if you really sit and you think about a lexus that could go head to head with the cayenne or you know even on the high end things like the Bentega um mm-hmm. or you know some of the other ultra luxury suvs the q8 um in this market it, i mean it would it would it would be so successful i you know you you know i think to your point. Have they just already decided that that's an old school strategy and what they really want to go after is this new, you know, in-between body style, this quote unquote Z, in which case, you know, RZ has maybe taken the focus over something like an LF-1. I think I can see both. Um, just personally, I feel like there's still a lot of people who are not quite as ready to jump on the electric bandwagon. Like if you think about Lexus and you think about the two most successful Lexus vehicles it's probably the RX and the LS yep, right. and the LF-1 is both of them together. <laughs> and yeah. So combined, to me, for sure. it is such a foolproof, yeah, it, it's such a foolproof formula. And especially in this market that I can't believe it hasn't happened yet. But three and a half years later, no trademarks, no spy shots feels to me like it may not happen.
0: And you, you think about the the last few concepts from Lexus, they really haven't amounted to production vehicles. Well, I guess I'm thinking of yeah. two, you know, I'm thinking of the LF one, which is a major one. And then their, um, their LF 30, which was sort of like a, a future vision of, mm-hmm. uh, of vehicles. Um, and it just feels like there's a lot of missed opportunity in terms of the way that concepts are used in you know the automotive market the way that it's generally followed by a production model Um, but then you have this rz and i feel like it's really is just a refocus a refocused lexus with this model i think that they Mm -hmm. looked at the the market looked at where they their most opportune uh, segment, and then they've chosen this sort of crossover coupe slash wagon slash. It's a very functional, but a very stylish uh, segment. You can see the way that they can transition from this RZ to having a a LZ, Mm -hmm. which would be, I would imagine, this LF1 uh, production model.
1: I agree it's it's actually funny that you brought up the lf-30 too because um when i saw the lz or lfz i'm sorry lfc when i saw the lfc to me it seemed like the logical follow-up from the lf-30 like when i saw the lf-30 i was like and it's probably my american spec point of view but i was like this this isn't gonna hit uh, and I don't, and so hopefully this is just a concept. And to me, it, the LFZ seemed like a production-minded follow-up on the LF-30 for sure, which is which was really encouraging.
0: Well, they used a lot of the same key phrases. They used a lot of the same technology, sort of imagining the future artificial intelligence and the way that it, it could anticipate your your mood or your what you wanted to do. Those were all things that they outlined with the LF-30. But what they've done is they've sort of, With the LFZ, they've they've funneled that down into things that you can start to picture as a production production functionality. Mm -hmm. In a way, you're right. It really does kind of it does seem like there is a bridge between those two models.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: I think it's fair to say that we both want the LZ to uh, to happen. We want we want a production LF1 uh i think that's well documented so yeah we you know we're thinking about the so yeah we were thinking about the press conference last week the one uh, final thing that uh, koji said during the press conference was that there would be two new models this year (laughs) obviously much to the chagrin of lexus uh we all know that one of them is going to be the nx but
1: uh, what do you think the the second vehicle is going to be um I forget. Did he reference it and say all new? I think he did. I think he said two all new models, which would rule out refreshes like the ES, right?
0: Oh, yeah. I wouldn't imagine that they I don't I don't think they even like to talk about them, really. They just kind of drop them. Okay. In terms of. Yeah. So I can't imagine that that would be one of them.
1: I think it's going to be the LX. And so part of the reason I say that there's a couple of reasons. One, the current LX has been out, you know, it's been refreshed and nipped and tucked a couple of times, but it's been out since I think the 2007 model year as a 2008. So, you know, you do the math. It's the most obvious candidate. Um, also, you look at the market. The market is still hot on SUVs. I mean, if you look at the Lexus first quarter sales numbers, there's no better time to drop a new SUV. And you also think, you know, the new Escalade, uh, just came out. There's, you know, Mercedes just recently dropped the GLS, you know, a year or two ago, the updated one, the updated X7, like this is the time and this is the moment. And the other thing too, is, um, we already know that there was an LX 600 trademark, right? So I don't know what engine an LX 600 would be. Um, I have like a a crystal ball theory about that but it's probably too far out but um yeah i don't know so i think it's going to be the lx what do you think
0: i think it's the one that makes the most sense i don't think that they would be referencing refreshes if they if they are referencing refreshes i would say that it's probably the es but if they're talking about yeah. brand new next generation models the lx is really the only option unless you know what wouldn't wouldn't there be something if they came out with the rz <laughs> this year <laughs> just drop it at the end of the year
1: yeah 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 true true. all right we're
0: running out of steam you and i here we go (laughs) (laughs) yeah let's go okay so all right so you were uh, on and uh yeah i have to think that uh the lx is probably the best option
1: just different rumors and some things we've heard. Like I even heard from a couple people a couple years ago now that the new LX could really, really be a stunner, like in terms of configurations and options and even like power trains and things like that. So um it's also interesting how well it's been under wraps, if you think about it. Like usually you know, we see spy shots and, yeah. you know, the, the whole NX leaked, you know, for the hell of it. And, but yeah. the LX has been so silent and so well controlled that I think it's easy to forget. So when it drops, I feel like it's going to be like out of left field and everybody's going to be like, holy
0: shit. Well, I really like the idea that you were talking about, you know, in terms of basing it not on the Land Cruiser but basing it on the Sequoia because that really allows for a different kind of vehicle and and Lexus you know recently has not shied away from making drastic changes you know uh, killing the GS I, I feel that was a major indicator that nothing is really sacred in mm-hmm. terms of what's possible with the brand and what direction they might go i don't really believe that they would hesitate for one second to just Scrap the whole idea of the LX and reinvent it as something else.
1: Yeah, I agree. So I feel like, you know, even touching on the NX leak and the IS500 a little bit, you know, onto this week's news with the LFZ and everything else, we've covered a lot. We've, we've covered a lot on the podcast. So, and
0: yet still so much to discuss.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's nice to be back at a point where there's so much Lexus news that um, sometimes it's even hard to keep up with. So if you are a Lexus enthusiast like we are and you like guessing on these types of things and thinking about the future, I would say join us on the Lexus Enthusiast forum. Um, We've added a forum for the podcast specifically so that you guys can ask us questions or give us thought starters or ideas. We love to hear from you and what you'd like to hear from us.
0: Yeah, we'll have like a section where we'll answer any questions
1: um you know who like the last couple weeks have been so crazy who knows what the next two weeks will hold but uh we'll be back in two weeks and we'll chat with you guys then
0: yes thank you very much everybody